Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixels, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we got like a little like after hours kind of vibe going on here. No. Um, I feel like I I don't even remember the last time we would have like recorded a a late night sesh like this. Yeah. Have we ever? I, I don't know, actually. I'm sure we have at some yeah, point. Yeah, I bet we have. But yeah, it's a it's not our it's not our typical thing. So I'm kind of just I'm liking the vibe right now. You know? Yeah, I would feel like I should have like a coffee or like a Bailey's or something. <laughs> yeah, we need a. I don't know. I do feel kind of naked without my podcast coffee that I'm so used to. Yeah, um, I mean I'm not wearing pants. So that's the reason why I feel <laughs> mostly naked. But. <laughs> but how you doing tonight, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's one of those weird weeks where like you have so much to do and then it's like, oh, geez, tomorrow's Thursday. I don't know about you, yeah. but I get like, or even you guys who are listening, I get like really like psychologically, um, I don't know the phrasing for it. Like Monday is such like a big day to like start the week off right. And if it doesn't go well, then I'm like, mm. well, the start of the week's ruined. Yeah. Like the week's going to be, you know, terrible now. And then similarly, as we get to like the end of the week, um, like Thursday, I start thinking like, oh crap, the week's almost over. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to even finish the things I need to, which is, you know, a whole big mental game. But, yeah. um, anyway, so that's in my head right now is like, oh man, all the things I have to do tomorrow. Yeah. I, I know that feeling, uh, a hundred percent. I've kind of had a, a similar week. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's technically Wednesday, but yeah, Thursday crept up on us out of nowhere. Felt like, um, yeah. I just uh, <clears throat> I just today was able to finish the episode, and I think it was similar for you. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I just finished it today, also. But uh, as always, we make it we make it before the finish line. So uh, <laughs> I think it's actually kind of nice because people people who watch it like right when it happens, they can kind of let it simmer a little bit, and then as yeah. you start like winding up for like, oh, it's time for the next episode then you know we, we're, we're there for a little reminder i guess yeah yeah, we get the little refresh because it's been a while for the recap and then yeah it's, yeah i mean not to just repeat you but we've had time well since we both watched it today i guess we haven't had time for it to simmer but i was gonna say that um <laughs> i meant for our viewers they yeah our esteemed viewers they've so. had time to simmer so you guys can correct us in the comments on all the weird theories and stuff i'm sure yeah, we'll I was say. Say, yeah i guess that's the downside is like we've had like you know six hours for like crackpot theories <laughs> and people who've like sat on it for a week are probably like no idiot that's wrong not, that is not what's happening <laughs> um actually <laughs> um. <laughs> well any announcements any announcements? I I don't think so. Other like nothing special, at least. Um, we are covering Worlds Beyond Number. We've mentioned it before, but um, we had our we had a special guest on our most recent Worlds Beyond Number podcast. Um, so again, if you, I guess if you aren't listening to Worlds Beyond Number, definitely check it out. And you know, if you are, uh, check us out on that podcast as well. We would love to you know engage with you guys there. Um, but yeah, uh, the reason I said this is because we had our good friend Nate on there, so it was fun to get to talk to him but other than that you know critical role worlds beyond number do we have anything else coming down the pipeline i don't uh think. i watched i saw the D movie oh yeah it? yeah yeah we should talk about that i really want to do a movie review on yeah. that um let's do that. 
spoilers, I loved it. And so I'd love I to, it too. I'd love to chat with you about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Absolutely. You know, um, we're obviously way behind on seeing it, but you know, the joy of having kids is <laughs> it's like, all right, we can pencil this in six weeks from now. Well, it, so. I think it's only been like a week, right? You're pretty quick. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, now the joke's ruined, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Did this movie come out? <laughs> well, we had we had friends who were like, hey, let's go see this. And they were saying it for a while. So I, I guess I didn't realize that they were like planning in advance. Mm. I thought it had actually just been out. Um, I think they did do a, a weird thing where there was like a one night only like kind of preview showing of it. Which if that's what you got, if that's what your friends were planning toward, it's probably been like a month since that. But I think it only came out yeah. like a week or two weeks ago, Max. It says it came out on March 3rd. Okay, well, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought it came out at the end of March. Hang on, this can't be right either. Okay, full release was March 31st. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, so just almost two weeks ago. So you're right. Okay. So not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. I know a lot of you guys have... Um, seen it as well we a few of us have been uh, have briefly talked about it in the discord so yeah i think that would be a good thing to do um so yeah be on the lookout for that and then i don't know that we're, like we haven't blake and i haven't talked about this at all and like i don't think we'll do anything with this but i'll throw it out into the ether to see what what happens um you know critical roles new thing that they acquired midst i saw that um the first two episodes of that are out i haven't listened to it yet um, but I'm going, uh, out of town this weekend, so I'm going to have some prime podcast time. So I think I'm going to check it out. Um, um, I watched the first episode. Oh, you did? Uh, okay. yeah. And it's, it's short form con. The first episode, I think it's 11 minutes. So, okay. um, well, I don't want to get into it right now, but like, no. just briefly, did you like it or what do you think? Yeah, it's different. It's okay. different. I don't know. I feel like my plate's very full with like things to i so i don't know if it'll like squeeze into like a permanent slot yeah um but i really i like it is different from like i see why critical role wanted to acquire them mm-hmm. um and it's it it was nice it actually kind of gave me a reminder of um it gave me a vibe of what was that show on netflix um it was Love like death and robots form. Yes. How did actually. I know that's what you were talking about? Oh. <laughs> Dude, we are so insane. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it kind of gave me a vibe of that. Um, but anyway, just okay. a random, random well, yeah, feeling so I, I I plan on checking that out. We don't have plans to, to cover that or anything necessarily, but I figured I'd throw it out there. If any of you guys have, have listened to it, let us know your thoughts. Because um, I think it, it already existed in its entirety. Like whatever story they're telling, I think they've already told, but Critical Role bought that and they're kind of like rebranding it. So it's possible for some people to like have already consumed the whole thing. So if if that happens to be you, let us know what you thought. Um, But anyway, uh, anything else? I think we're good. All right. Well, without further ado, we are going to dive into our handy dandy recap. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, if you're new to us, we recap each episode and we then cut that out of the podcast and host it separately on our YouTube channel for your catching up convenience. I've actually had a few people tell me recently that they really like our recaps, so that you know put some wind in my sails. So thanks, guys. Anyway, um, we do this for the three of you. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we sorry, cut that I, out. No, go I'm ahead. so sorry. But I'm sorry to say that, but because I, I was actually thinking like man, do people even like these? Like, should we keep doing these? Cause it's a pretty big chunk of our discussion, but yeah. Anyway, that's all I needed to hear, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, we host those separately on YouTube. And if you happen to find yourself on that recap video right now, and you want to hear Blake and I's full discussion on this episode, it will be linked down in the description box below. All right. <clears throat> so without further ado, this is episode 54 of campaign three treacherous toys. So we pick up with bells hells, and that's just what I'm going to refer to him as, even though it's only about half of the group, um, plus Frida plus Deanna. Um, but we pick up after Bell's Hells has successfully led this beast out of Uthodurn last episode, and they're met with celebration from the people of the city. Um, <clears throat> and among this like crowd of people that has gathered around them, uh, one man in particular kind of scoots out and talks to them and introduces himself as Sir Luden, and he is a royal page for the king and the queen. And the royalty has formally requested the presence of Bell's Hells tomorrow morning for like an official recognition of their deeds here today. So the group's excited about that, and they're like, okay, well, first things first, let's go meet up with Chetney. Where is he? Um, so Imogen actually tries to send a message to Chetney uh, to see if maybe that type of magic could work short range, because, um, you know, it hasn't been working long range to try to, you know, talk to Ladna. Um, it does not work, and she actually does take some more psychic damage because of it. <clears throat> but meanwhile, Chet is making his way back to them, and uh, eventually Frida does spot him and the two... Rec or you know reconvene um the whole crew then heads to deanna's to spend the night and as everyone's like getting ready for bed and stuff imogen actually steals a moment away with deanna and asks her about how chet was when the two of them first met and she says they met on a beach uh in a vacation town and that he was just a force of personality um and that you know she she wonders if she met like vacation chetney um you know because she's still kind of learning stuff about him now um but she says he always had a passion and love for what he does. And um, that was that made it easy for her to fall in love with him because to be the focus of somebody like that driven and that passionate uh, was intoxicating. Um, back inside, Frida and FCG are talking about dreaming. Uh, and Frida explains how they've had the same dream every time. And each time it just gets a little bit longer, a little bit more is revealed. So FCG decides to cast their dream spell with them tonight, uh, just the two of them, and kind of explore that with them. <clears throat> so we're going to have all the ladies of Bell's Hells in Deanna's room, the Aormatons in Frida's room, and Chetney gets the couch. Um, so we cut to the Aormatons, and they're going into Frida's room, and inside are lots of drawings and sketches, uh, some of which are of Exandria in a globe shape. So, you know, of course, FCG this pings for him. He thinks it's so bizarre because he thinks the world is flat. Like this poor um, guy. He yeah. thinks that's the... <laughs> I loved this moment. Um, yeah. And like Frida even leaves and goes and like talks to Chetney privately being like, he thinks the world's flat. Um, <clears throat> but so no, they, they meet back up to do the dream thing. And um, FCG kind of explains how the spells will work, then cast the spell and both of them go to sleep. And so we enter Frida's dreamscape and we're described kind of like soaring over Exandria on this beautiful day. Uh, Katha's, which, which Matt rudely clarifies that it is, is a, in fact a round. globe. Yeah, gosh. yeah. No mercy from Matt over here. <laughs> no mercy, mercy. Out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry. No, you're fine. They're flying over. Um, it's a beautiful day. Katha's in the sky, but not Ruidus, Um, Which I will maybe talk about this, but I assume it's just because of the part of the planet they were on. Um, yeah. But Frida uh, is described as looking down and kind of seeing like this, her, mo like part of them, the lower half of them is kind of obscured by these clouds, but 
they can see like humanoid skin and legs um, where there should be their mechanical legs. Um, right. <clears throat> and so from FCG's perspective, looking at Frida, um, he looks over and again, there's kind of clouds obscuring the bottom half of Frida. But in front of those clouds, there's like this apparition of a child kind of like overlapping them. And Frida can't see the child and doesn't really know what that means. Um, FCG asks about it and is like, I think like there's a name that I should know, but it's it's like a memory I can't quite place, almost like a phantom limb. And um, as Frida is speaking, this child kind of seems like enveloped and protected in their energy. Um Frida again looks down and can see like humanoid feet as in Frida's own feet are humanoid, but does not see the child. Um, and they say they haven't thought about this in a long time uh, and that they would like to wake up now. So FCG wakes them up and FCG describes the child so that Frida can draw it. <clears throat> and in doing this, this unlocks a memory for Frida. Um, and they say that they think they were there to protect this child and that their laughter was pure. And he thinks that Deanna's laughter kind of helped trigger this memory a little bit. Um, but they don't know what happened to the boy or how they even know the boy. So the next morning comes and everyone gathers for breakfast. Deanna's cooking up a storm. Um, Frida sh shares some like flakes of Ruby with FCG so that they have something to eat as well. And they're like, okay, we have our audience with the King and Queen, but we have some time before we need to do that. So what else do we need to do? And there's two things on the docket, basically Oltgar and all the Chetney stuff. And then Jacoby and the Aormaton stuff. Um, and Frida insists they do the Oltgar stuff first. Um, Deanna doesn't know what's going on with Oltgar, so Chetney kind of like briefly catches her up on that, you know, used to make wooden toys with this man until a guy named Drixlick showed up and messed everything up. Oh, good job. <laughs> so they head to Oltgar's, which is now DNO's Toy Emporium, which stands for Drixlick's and Oltgar. Um, but it's closed, and basically a bunch of people are standing out front. And uh, Chetney has gone invisible, by the way, so that nobody can see him. And as they arrive, this orc like comes out and he's like kind of on fire, patting himself down. And he like grabs an ax and basically storms away saying like, I quit. Like, I'm not doing this. And <clears throat> the rest of the people gathered outside, uh, one in particular stands out. Uh, and it's this tall dwarf, you know, with a uh, rosy cheeks, wearing red, big belly. Um, and this <laughs> is Ultgar. And he's basically telling the rest of these employees here that, hey, like, I guess take a break. We got to figure out what's going on here. So the party walks up, asks what the matter. He explains that last few days have been messy with all these failed enchantments and whatever's going on with Uthodern and the world at large has been messing things up. And one of their best selling toys, the whistle cage, basically the way I looked at it was contained like lightning kind of fire bugs. Um, and the magic of those cages broke. So all these fire bugs got out and it's basically a fire hazard. Um, it's around this time that Drixlix shows up um, and he's kind of a D bag and, uh, you know, he's talking down <laughs> to everybody. Um, and he explains that in addition to just that chaos, uh, he's also a collector of rare creatures and one he took up recently, a Kraskalid is in its larval stage, but when it gets warm, they kind of mature into adulthood, which can be very bad news. And because the fire bugs are wreaking havoc in there, they're worried that that might start to happen. Um, so they're like, we're looking for people to go in there and take care of this. Um, and he offers 500 gold and a possible sponsorship if the party decides to take care of it. Um, Fern negotiates actually 500 gold a person. And Oltgar says like, yeah, that sounds good. 
Um, <clears throat> then in a real quick series of events, uh, Frida kind of like trips Drix um, to try to steal his key ring whilst making it look like it was an accident, kind of. And during this, Chetney drops his invisibility and uses his brand of castigation on Drix's like back leg, marking him and then like quickly melts back into the crowd. Um, and Imogen actually cast detect thoughts on Olgar while this is happening and uh, reads in his mind that while he's kind of giving praise to Drixlix, he actually uh, thinks he ruined the business and has crushed the spirits of everyone. So the party now basically accepting this mission to go in and deal with these bugs and the potential Kraskalid uh, enter the toy store. And that's where we go to break. Yeah. So coming back from the break, um, the party's basically making their way into the toy shop and Chetney notes that what was once a beautiful workshop has now become very corporatized. There's products everywhere. There's toys everywhere. I mean, there's toys there before, but it's very much, um, it's the soul of the store is now gone. Uh, and the party's very supportive of him, by the way, they are remarking how ugly the place is. Um, Imogen even like grabs like the most expensive thing and then like kind of oops and like throws it on the ground to shatter it. Um, uh, FCG is talking about how gross it is in here. And they're basically all just doing this to make Chetney feel like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> even though this place is booming, it's um, much worse without him. Um, all that to say, as they work their way farther into um, the uh, store, uh, a couple of swarms of fire bugs uh, full of heat and energy basically buzz their way out. And uh, Deanna essentially tries to convince them to, uh, with her speak with animals, to basically calm down and get back in your cage. <laughs> and there's a nice little scene of, I think FCG gives her like candy or syrup or something. Yeah. Uh, and all the firebugs like consume onto her. <laughs> um, and they're like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, there's a lot of. Um, sort of clawing for leeway from Matt on, I want to try this. I want to do that. Um, I think Imogen even tries to tell Kinesis, like move them into one of the cages. Uh, but ultimately, um, Deanna's asked to make a persuasion check and it is a natural one. Oof. In fact, we're going to have a few natural ones in the next, uh, uh, chunk of this back half of the episode. Uh, but with that natural one, Matt's like, Sorry, guys. Let's roll initiative. So uh, typically what we do in combat, we just highlight the the main points. Uh, the majority of this backup is this combat session with these firebugs. Uh, and essentially some of the bigger things that happen, uh, Imogen is basically going to be looking for a cage to continue to telekinesis them into. Um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Frida? Frida. Their name, excuse me. Frida uh, is going to be shooting their um, gun of an arm for quite a bit of damage. Uh, we're going to have Chetney, who's going to bring out the scythe with the keyword done. And we'll be doing quite a, a, a bit of damage there. Uh, but the main thing that happens is um, Fern is going to cast Snare, uh, level one abjuration, to basically create a magical trap to um, put the... Uh, swarm of bugs into and long story short it's eventually successful um they are through the help of imogen pulled into the snare and captured uh matt jokes about how 
you know, of course, you can't roll well with this uh, snare mechanic because uh, he's actually going to do a few checks with them trying to break free of the snare. And every time it's like four, six, you know, 12, like they can't get free at all. So um, all that to say, both of them, both swarms are going to get snared. Uh, while this is happening, Chetney's going to make his way upstairs to find another couple of swarms. Uh, and immediately goes into his wolf form and begins fighting those. Uh, for Frida, they'll go upstairs as well to help. And essentially, they're going to um, basically totally demolish these swarms, uh, basically ending combat. Uh, now, one of the things that's interesting here is uh, there is the locked door, which is the bedroom door where Drixlich has mentioned this is where um, his little pet, the worm, has made its home. So uh, I think Drixlich had given them a key, but Chetney just, you know, slashes through yeah. the door, <laughs> not letting any memes with doors happen here. Um, literally like slices the door in half and they walk in to find surprisingly an empty room. Um, in the corner of the room, they find this gross hollow husk, this larvae husk, um, where something has clearly come out of clawed its way out of and possibly has left. Um, Deanna stepping into the room decides to cast, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dawn, I think. Yeah, I think so. Or Radiant yeah. Light, or I think it's called Dawn. Yeah. So she's going to cast Dawn, and they're in this, like, I hate spiders. So in, like, total nightmare <laughs> fuel of a moment, Matt describes the light lighting the room and then seeing these big skittering, a massive creature, the lid, fully mature above them, uh, and combat will continue again. So... Um, as combat continues, there's a lot of trading blows. Uh, the Dawn actually, the Dawn spell actually does quite a bit of radiant damage. Um, Fern's going to hit all three scorching rays for quite a bit of damage, uh, but not before getting grabbed herself, I think with like a natural four, uh, in one of the big pincers of this creature. Um, ultimately though, Frida is going to, um, attack, action surge, bonus action, do all this damage basically to basically get the... Um, uh, actually, they don't do the how you want to do this. That was on the swarm. Now that I think about it, Fern does the polymorph. Right, uh, right. So she decides to polymorph um, <laughs> after like the first or second round of this. Fern casts polymorph and decides that she wants to um, turn the Kraskalid back into its baby form, uh, which they remark is very cute. <laughs> and of course, it fails and it turns into this baby Kraskalis, this little worm. And they're kind of like, what should we do about this? What should we do with this um, creature? And there's a lot of talk about, um, let's put it in Drixlix's room. Um, you know, let's put it on him, whatever. And ultimately they decide probably the best thing to do would be to set it free out into the wild uh, where it won't hurt anyone again. So Fern decides to be the one to basically take this creature out of Uthodurn uh, and release it. But they only have an hour to do this. And unfortunately, the first half hour is spent basically rummaging around Drixlich's room, uh, upon which they find, I think they had a natural 20 from Imogen, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of documents. And these documents basically reveal Drixlich not just as like a business person, but as someone who has made very shady deals. Yeah. He has made quite a few signatures on Oltgar's behalf, um, deals with um, certain organizations, um, one of which 
seems to be, uh, I think it's called Shady Creek. Yeah, Shady uh, Creek Run. Which is basically like child labor, yeah. um, which they're like, that's kind of bad. I don't feel good about that. Um, and then also they even find a document that basically says if something was to happen to Oldgar, uh, the business would be handed over in full to Drixlich. So they realize he's basically making a plan to take over the store entirely. Um, so after about half an hour of that, um, Imogen then, excuse me, Fern then makes her plan to release the Kraskalid out into the wild. And we get this stupid <laughs> but hilarious scene where she's like running full speed to get this baby worm out. And people are like thinking like, what's going on? Like, oh, it's so cute. Like what's happening? Barely makes it out of the city. There's like this ledge where she tries to like plinko it <laughs> off the ledge. And there's like jokes about what you doing with that baby? And um, basically releases it, then has to like misty step down to get it down farther. And then basically like finally just is like, okay. And just like drops it off of a ledge. And it's kind of like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> Until the Kraskalid comes out of the polymorph and begins clawing its way towards her full speed, clearly wanting to kill her. She <laughs> freaks out, begins running back into the city gate, screaming, kill it, kill it. And the glass blade guards with these like big ballista cannon machines basically <laughs> kill the creature that she had intended on freeing in this humane way. And, um, it's, it's just great. Especially, uh, we cut back to the group who's talking to Oldgar and she just shows up and she's like, well, baby's dead. <laughs> and Oldgar's like, probably best I don't ask you what that is. Yeah. Um, but I will say outside of the shop, they basically confront Oldgar and explain everything Drix has been doing. Uh, Drix is not actually present and basically says, Hey, like this shop has lost its way. Like you should hand it over to Drixlich and just be done with it. Just move on from it. Uh, Chetney reveals himself to be present, and uh, Olkar basically says, um, "Hey, I haven't ever forgotten the day you stabbed me. Um, you know, I've definitely lost my way." Uh, and they ask him, "Did you know about the child labor? Did you know about these shady things happening?" Imogen does try to take thoughts, but um, fails to do so because Olkar uh, has a natural nineteen on the roll against it. Um, but he basically swears that he had no idea that he couldn't believe it. Um, Chetney says, Hey, you should get out of town. I'm giving you two days to do it. Uh, there's a lot of Santa puns, um, including, uh, I, I guess you could say a reading of the nightmare, the nightmare, the night before Christmas from Sam. And, um, there's a lot of like references in these last yeah. minutes, <laughs> but, um, anyway, all that to say the party then is like, all right, well, time to go see the King and Queen. And that is where our episode ends. Boom. Episode again, 54 treacherous toys. And again, if you're watching just the recap, we have our link to our full description or our full discussion in the description below. Um, all right, man, time for the usual. What'd you think? <laughs> uh, great episode, uh, man. I just definitely Fern Ashley Johnson. That was <laughs> like, it's going to be one of my all time favorite moments from this episode from this campaign excuse me um i just think it's great them trying to basically do what they did with the bull and it's like this very wholesome like yes. we can't kill it and then <laughs> you know not five minutes later kill it kill it <laughs> so i yeah i thought it was a great 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 D D great episode 
Um, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean that that whole ending sequence was so funny. Um, but yeah, uh, same thoughts. I thought it was like quintessential D and D, like this episode. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, there's been a few episodes that like really have just felt like a like a home game. I mean. I mean, I guess that's a fair way to put it, like a home game of D&D, which is kind of some hijinks, um, you know, a bit of a lower stakes mission, like, hey, help out this this shop owner with the, yeah. the fire bugs that have escaped. Um, right. <clears throat> so, yeah, I thought it was really fun. It was like a very uh, kind of, I don't know if chaotic's the right word, but like very kind of like goofy energy at the table the whole night that was just really yeah. fun to watch. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really liked the episode. Um I don't, I guess I'll, I'll just jump into this right now. Um, we've talked a little bit about this. I don't know if you've seen any of it, but um, I know some people are upset because uh, they're like, why are we doing this mission when the world's ending? Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know. I figured we'd touch on this a little bit since it's pretty like, you know, I'm not saying it's like the majority opinion or anything, but there's definitely, as always, yeah, you know, okay. the people that are upset and complaining um, which, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion, obviously, but, um, I don't know. I just think that, I think there's a few different things at play here, but one, I love the episode, like, and that's basically just the, the end of it for me, but I do understand why some people would have the criticism of apocalypse and now five episodes of, of de- declining action or whatever it's called. Um, and feel free to stop me at any time because I'm kind of rambling. But one, I think that's kind of natural in storytelling. Like you have like this moment and then it's kind of like the the cool down to see like what the fallout is mm-hmm. kind of before the yeah, next surge. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and I actually, we've, we've talked about this, so I don't want to repeat myself, but I actually am really enjoying kind of seeing the slice of life of how this major city reacts to, to like mm-hmm. magic being gone to, to put it simply. Um, but anyway, I, I do understand where the criticism is coming from, at least, even though I don't agree with it. Uh, but I was curious what your your take on it is, especially after this most recent episode. Since I just finished it today, I haven't had a chance to dig into what people are referring to specifically. Um, but based on what you said, just it actually reminds me of something we talked about, maybe episode the second episode of this arc, maybe it was the first one, but the, the, the discussion was basically how long do we think we're going to be here? Mm-hmm. And whatever the, the conversation was, I do remember specifically saying for me personally, it's exciting to have these people at the table, but the longer this goes on, the more it sort of takes away from the stakes for me of the Apache solstice. Um, loved this episode, but totally understand that perspective. Um, and I've, I don't know if this is cheating or not, but I used this when we talked about last episode or maybe the episode before, I can't remember. Um, I, I kind of wear two hats when I, I don't know if evaluate's a fair word. When I personally evaluate, did I enjoy the episode? Um, I think a year from now, looking back, I will say, oh man, that was such an awesome episode. I loved that episode as like a person being entertained I'm like putting on the, taking off the people playing D and D hat. And like, I'm in, I'm watching like this campaign unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll just reiterate what I just said. I mean, it, it, it definitely like 
takes the wind out of the sails, I guess, of like this epic moment where the party got split. And things that we've said before, it's like, man, it's it's it feels like we still have so many things to like address or cover. I mean, and now Altgar seems one less thing. Um, but yeah, I think the criticism criticism is very fair. Um, but I think ultimately, I think it is a matter of opinion. My opinion is that I would have preferred going back and forth or less time away. However, I also recognize that it's just my opinion. So yeah. I don't I don't hold it against the campaign, if that makes sense, or yeah. the show, what have you. Yeah, I think so. that's a, I think that's a fair take. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, the, I think there's a couple things at, at play here. Um, one, I, I don't think that Matt would have like drastically altered what his plans were. So I think, I think to some extent, this was kind of always what was, going to happen in a way um, not to say that it's it's railroaded or scripted but you know what i mean like i don't think matt like really like threw a shoehorn in his plans for the campaign based on what i'm getting to creator clash i'll, I'll finish that mm-hmm. thought here in a second um <clears throat> but i do think that um to the the apocalypse happened and now we're just chilling again you know i think there's I think there's some story, uh, some narrative elements at play there that I, I like, I definitely understand why some people wouldn't, that's fair. Um, but I also just think like the apocalypse hasn't quite happened yet though. Like we're, we like the, the inciting incident happened. Uh, it's not like Pradathos is out and like the world is literally being consumed right now and Hey, we're saving a toy shop. Like, um, I don't think it's like that, you know? So for what that's worth, I think the, the real kind of like crap hits the fan moment. I mean, it's happened in a way, but like, not, not really like the hole is being drilled is in my mind. Um, Well, yeah. And I, I think what we said last episode was if this can, I think we said last episode, if this continues for another couple of episodes, which seems to be the case, um, I, I've already said it, but I'd be surprised if there was more than another episode, but maybe there will be, um, what we said before was though, this one has been much more dragged out. I anticipate just what you just said. When we cut back to the other party, it being much more fast paced and more, I don't know if dire is the right word, but they can literally see the real, yeah, like they're still there not, not literally, so, but yeah. Right. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, but so the, the, the other thing I, uh, alluded to a second ago, I think the creator clash is playing some part in this. Uh, like when we talked about right after the solstice and we were talking about like, what do we think is going to happen? You know, we mentioned the, the splitting of the party, but I didn't think it would be like for five episodes, which I think like if counting next week, I think it would be five, maybe it would be four. Yeah. Um, I think next week is five. Let's see. 51 was the Apogee Solstice. This was 54. So next one, next one will be four. Okay, next one will be four. But okay, it's so yeah. funny how much longer this feels, though. Yeah, you I know? guess we had an off week. So it's been five weeks, but only four yeah. but when episodes. You, when you look back, though, I mean, you know, talking about campaign four, like, oh, when was the last time they split the party? Oh, it was four episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it mathematically doesn't feel like a lot, but I think having the off week and then week to week, five weeks does feel like a long time to... Not see some of our favorite characters. Yeah, it just feels exacerbated. And that actually is my main, and I don't even want to call it a criticism, but that's the 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 toughest part for me is that I really miss Orem 
Ashton and Laudna. And so it's just hard to, you know, be away from those characters. Yeah, for so there's long. something very cozy about the table dynamic. It's it brings me back to remember when Travis was not at the table at the start of campaign three. And we were like, hey, the 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 individual sessions feel great. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But Travis isn't there, yeah. which is a dynamic we really enjoy. And I think in the same way, Orem, Ladna and Ashton aren't at the table. And I mean, I love those characters. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, shamefully, which one's your favorite this week? (laughs) I know. I just, I just, I really love these characters. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's very fair for people to feel, um, fatigued to not have their characters showing up. Totally. Um, I totally understand that. And I, I think it's also fair for you to say you don't really necessarily want to call it a criticism because, I mean, it is a criticism, but it's not like, hey, you're doing something wrong, I guess. Like, I respect their decisions and how they're going about the table right now. Um, it just isn't. It's kind of like EXU for me, like EXU season one. It was like, yeah, I recognize all like the things like Abria in hindsight has talked about, like all these spinning threads and like opportunities and her being like, and I have to somehow get them to latch onto one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But here we are as like people being entertained where it feels messy. And it's just, I guess it's easy when you're outside the room to, or I don't know the analogy when you're outside the (laughs) snow globe to like talk about how the snow globe should, I don't know what, what, put it on the (laughs) t-shirt. So Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and not not to not to fight you on semantics or get into it, but I really like I do not mean it as a criticism, like because I've enjoyed these episodes. Uh, I mm. just you know I miss some of my favorite characters. You know, like yeah. I love pizza, but it's nice to have steak every once in a while. I don't. That's a bad analogy. We're just killing yeah, it on the analogies today. Analogies. <laughs> Yours was much better than my snow globe one, though. <laughs> but um. So. So for those of you that don't know, Creator Clash is a thing that's happening. And Marisha is boxing another, uh, forgive me, I don't know who it is, but she's boxing another creator. And that actually is happening yeah. this weekend, this uh, Saturday, I think. Right. Um, and so she's been training for that. And I think that is partially to explain kind of why we're getting such an absence here. Because I'm sure she's been insanely busy, not only training, but like literally like I'm sure there's like press junkets and stuff leading up to this event. So for my money, I think that's a major factor on why the group split uh, one for this long, but two for the way the yeah. characters got split up. I think Marisha kind of needed a few weeks off, if you will. Um, yeah, we saw someone put it in the comments of maybe the last video, the one before it about I, I had never heard of Creator Clash until this person. And I'm, by the way, I'm sorry that I'm not giving you credit. I just I don't have it up in front of me. So I can't remember who actually said it. Let me pull it up while while I'm talking about it, just to give him credit, but someone put it in a comment and I didn't know about it, but whenever they mentioned it, I was like, okay, that actually makes perfect sense. I do wonder, um, why they didn't just, I guess I don't really wonder why they didn't continue without her. I mean, to have someone not present for like such a big, you know, set of stuff. I mean, I get that. Um, and then also without Ladna there, it's only two people. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and I also we, just we, think the the party split is a really cool idea. Like I'm not against that uh, 
just in, in principle or anything. Like I, mm-hmm. I like that they split the party, but you know, uh, and I, I don't want to keep talking in circles, but again, you just, we miss seeing some of our favorite characters, but Greater Clash is again this weekend. So I could see, it did seem like we were getting another episode with this group uh, because they haven't met with the King and Queen yet. Um, So for my money, I would imagine maybe one more with, Mm -hmm. with uh, Uthodurn team. And then maybe we kick back to uh, some people are calling it a team AOL for Ashton, Orem and Ladna. So I like that. Um, I, I do think separate from creator clash, I think, this is not an easy task in terms of scheduling outside people for such long-term content. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's a stretch. Um, Cause obviously Brennan's made it work great with only three players at the table. But if Matt decides to bring in speaking about um, the wizard, the witch and the wild one um, or the witch, the wizard, the wild one, I think Which it's first. I think I it's know. wizard. I don't know. (laughs) Not that team AOL wouldn't be fine, just the three of them. But if Matt is bringing in guest characters for that table as well, then, I mean, it's already hard enough. I mean, think about this. Your your casual D&D group can't get five people together like once every three weeks, and they're recording every week with extra people. So... I'm even okay with the theory, if you even call it a theory, that Creator Clash has nothing to do with it. And it, this this was just simply the easiest way to get scheduling done was we're going to do it in blocks. You two guest characters are going to be here for these six weeks, and you two or three are going to be here for this six weeks. You know, um, yeah. I, I could see that being a very easy reason for why, uh, which is also why I want people to be, you know, if they are being overly harsh, which I haven't read the criticism, so I don't know how harsh people are being but i'd say like recognizing the logistics is i think a fair it's a fair thing to do yeah for sure and i'm all i wonder if they're even actually like doing any marathon sessions like they've all been wearing different clothes but it's, it would be easy enough to do an outfit change like if any of these episodes we're seeing with christian and abria like were filmed on the same day type of thing um but yeah you bring up a good point and uh <clears throat> one last thing i'll, I'll say on this chunk of episodes and, you know, in kind of, in kind of having the more chill time as it were, is I think it's just exacerbated by the week to week wait. And also of course the week off, I think like if you were binging this campaign um, and you just had the next episode to hit play on, I think it would, it would go down. And again, I think it's going down smooth, but I think it would go down much smoother for the people that are, you know, having an issue with this. Um, Right. Cause yeah, it might end up being four or five episodes, but, um, and I, again, it comes down to opinion. So I'm not going to sit here and keep trying to like convert the people that aren't happy with how it's happening, but I, I at least think it would be more palatable. And, uh, again, I just really like kind of seeing the impact yeah, through the lens of what's going on in Uthodurn. Um, yeah, it gives a bigger scope for sure. Yeah. Um, by the way, the person who mentioned Marisha, I don't know if this even really matters for like credit wise but the person i saw it from was uh bibbity boo thanks for coming one one other i know we've talked about this for like the whole episode so far but one other thing i just want to toss toward you is do you think there's any chance that given all the the factors we just talked about do you think there's any chance that we had it the this way 
the five or six episodes, whatever it may be with, with Uthader and team because of all the reasons listed. And maybe like, we don't have five or six weeks with the other team. Maybe we just meet back up and it's everyone again. Or do you think we'll definitely get team AOL having their six episodes? I mean, it doesn't have to be six, but I don't see how you not have at least an episode of cutting back to the day to the the moments right after getting teleported yeah um i don't know i guess i if they didn't i i would just be so curious as to like the reason why like why why was liam and um talison also why did they need to be gone for this many weeks um for me, that would be very clunky, but I guess I wouldn't necessarily have an issue with it either because it would mean everyone's back together again. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I just, I, for, I had never had that thought. And then for some reason that thought came to me and I was like, I wonder yeah, if they would do that, that for anything. And I mean, not to get into the ifs and what's on a hypothetical scenario, but I could see the Orem and Ashton getting looped in because there are, there are narrative and story reasons for the party to be split. And maybe there is this kind of above the table reason that Marisha needed to go. Um, but it's not like, Hey, 95% of Bell's Hells got teleported here and Ladna got teleported over there. Like, you know, it I could think, just be the reason that like the party got I, split. They yeah. get a vacation. I will say, I think it'd be really crazy if knowing if what we know now somehow gets which we don't like know anything different but if what we know now is in friction with what they experience so like for example and this might be overly stereotypical or cliched in some way but if we cut back to team aol and orum gets a sending message from imogen that's like mm. hey we're safe can you come meet us like and so now the party's like making their way to you know, Drusar to meet up with them. Like, we're just like, that didn't happen. Like, wait, what? Like, I think something like that would be a very, just a very interesting, I, I said the word friction. That's kind of what I'll stick with, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that would be crazy. Like somebody's like springing a trap on them or something, or there's like, maybe, or maybe it's the like multiverse is cracked or, open or something. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what it would be, you know, what if, what if Imogen shows up somehow and we're like, wait, you're not there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be crazy. That'd be cool. So, um, yeah. yeah. Money on the table. I, I would imagine we get team AOL, but I would guess that like, if, if this it looks like we're going to be either five episodes minimum, um, I don't, I don't see us getting five episodes of just team AOL. So I, I could see it being to, truncated yeah. for me. It would have to be, to have the patience for it, it would have to be something really punchy, um, which I don't know what that would be yet. Yeah. But if their guest characters ended up being the EXU team, I might be, be on cool. board for four or five episodes. That'd be cool. Um, uh, Opal with the crown, uh, Robbie freaking Damon. Robbie Damon. Gorgeous man. Yeah. So I know my wife would watch the show, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. Well, do you want to transition to talking about this specific episode? No, let's talk about this more. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, <clears throat> so I guess the big things that I'd want to, I guess without going too long, the, the big things that are on like kind of my docket, um, the dream, which yeah. I think is very interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, I don't know why I said I needed to like summarize this up front. It's really the only other thing that happened. <laughs> um, Altgar and Drix Lich. Um, I just love how hard a time they give Matt for names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, which one do you want to start with first? Um, <clears throat> I guess, I guess let's uh, do the dream. Yeah, okay. Um, so what was your take on the meaning behind because Frida also seemed, they seemed a little freaked out by it. I think Frida was like, I think I want to wake up now. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's could be so many things happening here. Um, so Aormatons, we, they, from the age of Arcanum, these people somehow figured out how to create life basically. Um, and that technology was lost, which is why, you know, everyone's like, Whoa, FCG, what the heck are you? Um, and we don't really know how they figured it out back then, but age of Arcanum, they did lots of crazy stuff. One school of thought I'm having is, and I think you mentioned this, um, when we talked about like early in the campaign, when we talked about like, what's going on with FCG, um, what if like Aormatons were once humans, like what if there's human soul or doesn't have to be human, um, but souls that were put into these things and that's how they, they have life, um, which may be something related to the Lux and beacons since those are kind of flirting in the storylines here and there, this campaign. Um, <clears throat> so maybe it's at least possible that maybe that kid like is Frida, like is the, the same soul. Like maybe there's a connection there. So that's like one school of thought. Another school of thought that I have is um, what if Frida is just like FCG in that is a sleeper cell assassin? Because there was yeah. the moment in the how do you want to do this against the fireworms that Christian like explained, like said, like his eyes go red for a second, like just a flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so what if what if Frida, too, is a sleeper cell assassin and this kid was like one of the like not necessarily like the target, but like maybe the kid of, of the main target, the political assassination or whatever. And so like, you know, happy go lucky mode. They're like taking care of the kid. They love the kid. And then maybe they're like activated. And I mean, hopefully they didn't kill the kid. That would be devastating, but maybe there's some relationship like that, where it was just somebody that Frida knew back in the past life. Um, But it could kind of explain like why the, I feel like both of those two ideas could explain why there's like the, the cloudiness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause one, maybe there's like, you don't want to remember. And the other one is maybe just like, you know, when you soul transitions, you, I don't know. Any, I don't know. So those are my main two ideas there, but what did you take from it? Yeah, I went, I think both of those make sense. I think, I think the sleeper cell is the more, um, substantial, Substantiated theory, if I'm saying that right, in the mm-hmm. sense of Frida themselves mention that I think this was the boy I was supposed to protect. And it feels like there is like an implicit trauma there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the way you put it, like not not wanting to remember, because uh, that definitely also speaks to Frida, the discomfort of I want to, I, I want to wake up. 
However, the more fun theory that I have really been big on since very early on with FCG is that um, I do think that the Aormaton origin is the soul of a person. Um, in hindsight, it might feel heavy handed, but FCG has made so many remarks about being soulless and mm -hmm. just a robot. And people have pointed out like, no, you're, you're a soul. And like, there's something there. And I think early on, I made a comment about like, is this like a Starcraft, like Phoenix kind of situation, like critically wounded, then put into robot body form. Um, but I think it would be really equally tragic um, and interesting if children of Aeor or even earlier times were their souls were transitioned into these robot forms, you know, and children are very malleable and um, naive, which are characteristics we've seen from FCG. Um, I don't know. I, I, I am really big on this theory right now. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it, it, both things could be true. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it could be that that kid is like the, the sleeper cell side of the story, but it could also be true that Aormatons are, you know, made from souls. Um, so I, I tend to agree with you though, with uh, you brought it up specifically the phrasing of like, I felt like I was supposed to protect that kid, which to me implies that, it's not literally Frida, like that's not his soul. Um, <clears throat> but I do think, especially with the introduction of if the Lux and Beacons, since that like literally is a soul transfer system, if you will, yeah. um, the 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 pieces are there. And mm -hmm. uh, like I mentioned when I launched into this, um, there there's kind of, there's never been an explanation for how they like how. The people back then created the life of the Aormatons, Um, and I just never even thought about it. I just glossed over it. But then I was like, okay, well, there's gonna be a reason. Like Matt, like ha definitely has like cooked in a reason, and like like he's figured that out. He didn't just like say that. You know what I'm saying? So I think the soul thing, be it the Lux and Beacon or not, makes a lot of sense. Um, which we're getting in the whole this whole campaign has been about like the gods and souls to an extent. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. A beacon was powering the Malleus Key. We've got the Ray Laura, who we don't really know the answers there. They may be, you know, body snatchers, if you will. Um, <clears throat> so I think this could all play in together. Um, but yeah, for my money, I, I'm leaning toward Frida. What I, I guess I am. I'm leaning toward the fact that he was similarly a sleeper cell and the the the, the family he was assigned to have this kid and they must've had a relationship and you know, the, the care and the culling, I think that's what they call the event when they like all turned right. on, you know, again, it would be devastating if Frida literally was the one to kill the kid, but at least maybe in the chaos, the kid was killed. Um, so I think they're, that they're, they're mm -hmm. holding a lot of trauma from that. So that's my I best think, guess. I, I think this would be a criticism of mine where I could understand Matt not wanting to reveal too much too soon, but presumably we're not going to revisit this character again. I guess we potentially could, but I would be not expecting to see Frida in a major table presence 
And does this happen usually when someone guest stars and they do they come back typically or? It has happened before, but I would agree with you that like. I wouldn't, you know, put any money on the fact that once once this arcs over that we're necessarily going to have like an extended period yeah. of time with Frida I mean, again. Unless unless we go back to this in like an EXU one shot or small mini campaign, whatever set with with christian present mm-hmm. um i think it i think it's a miss to not indulge in the emotion of a potential what could have been a really incredible reveal um you know we we got all the lead up to something potentially very traumatic that's happened with without actually stepping into it mm-hmm. and um i do think Again, not knowing criticism for this specific episode, but one criticism that I've read a lot about is that the campaign has felt slow. Um, I haven't personally felt that way because, you know, I'm just here for the ride week to week. But I do know the big emotional moments are very much a slow burn. And I will say it's a difference with how Brennan Lee Mulligan uh, creates tension at his table and that those moments come much more quickly and are much more palatable. Um, so, and you know, not to like compare shows. Cause again, they love each other. They support each other, but um, I, I'm, I'm bummed that we won't get more of Christian's story, which is something I'm supposing we, maybe we will, but I would have loved to take that dream further and just know like, what, what is this? But I, I but I also see, you know, if they don't want to reveal too much of Sam's character's backstory, if they're somehow linked in some way, I don't know. But anyway, could have been a really major moment that I feel like didn't happen. All right. I feel like I got a couple of responses to that is. One, I feel like we did get a major moment. It wasn't like fully explained, if you will. And I know that's what you're like alluding yeah. to, but I will say like in and of itself, like in a vacuum, if this we never get anything else. I do think this was pretty big and it is like a catalyst for FCG. Like maybe we don't exactly find out what happened with Frida, but especially if the theory we were just talking about is true, then if we find out what was going on with FCG, it'll be like, Oh, that's then that's what that was type of thing. Yeah. I I think, I think the implications are large. I think the emotional depth was absent, which maybe that's even snooty for me to like, (laughs) get even into that phrasing i don't know I, yeah I, I mean i don't know if we would be arguing I, I i don't think we would i don't think i would argue with you there but i would wonder if maybe the semantics yeah because sure. i feel like there was emotional depth like that was like <laughs> a very traumatic thing but but here's what i'll say is that um we may we may get exactly what you're wanting because we're getting another episode and they're going to jacoby's and i think this is True. One of the main things they're going to ask him about, because this dude like True. knows Aormatons. Um, so I will say that like, if we never touched on that again, I would, I would, you know, put water with with you there. Put water with you, man. The analogies, what the late night analogies, do not. What are we doing? <laughs> I would you put water play. with you, and we would drink. Um, you may put uh, water with me if you so choose. <laughs> Uh, but so like, yeah, if we never got anything else, I, I would agree with you, but I think like we may, it may be teed up next episode, uh, sure. for us to, to dive into that a bit more. And I would actually be right. really surprised if we didn't. Um, 
but theoretically, yes, I, I would agree with what you were saying there, but I think there will be more to come. And, uh, I am just surprised. I'm not surprised. Isn't the right word, but I'm very, I'm very curious to know, like the behind the scenes conversations that Christian and Matt had. Cause I mean, clearly Matt, and Christian would have had to have talked and Christian probably knows a little bit more than at least we do or Sam does at least in the sense of like, he would have, he would have had to have known to be able to make that part of his backstory. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, I, I really don't think that they just, just leave that out in the, in the ether. Um, I feel like we'll, we'll get some more. Um, but yeah, I mean, Super interesting. And again, super interesting to just like super cool to for a guest to be able to have that moment that kind of like not directly ties into a main character, but like, you know, I'm rambling, but you get it. No, it's good. Yeah. And I I think I would just say that. Well, yeah, I I would agree for sure. I, I think it's nice how they seem to consistently bring in guest characters and share the value of the spotlight i guess like there's never like weird (laughs) uh you're a guest character so i'm speaking yeah (laughs) you know it's like everyone even the guest characters have these cool moments um so um i guess in the interest of time you guys let us know in your comments what you guys think about it um let's move on to old gar and and old old dick lick (laughs) (laughs) old fart and dick lick yeah (laughs) Um, so go ahead. My, my burning question to you, did Altgar know about the child labor? Oh, Matt played that so like devilishly. Yes. You know, he didn't have to do that, but he did it. So I don't know if he was just like being a good storyteller or like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of, it kind of made me think he did know. But I don't know if I was just getting played to, you know, he was like, gives like the devilish grin or something and a glint in his eye. Um, I wish those uh, insight checks had been a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay. okay. We, we've talked about this uh, multiple times through past episodes, like what's going on with Chetney. We now know, or at least we assume we know the, the full extent of the saga he really was just ultra passionate about woodworking and Drixlix comes and he is a huge D bag. Like, let's not get that part twisted. And he was like literally stealing from them and kind of ruining the business. So there, there are reasons to hate that guy. Um, and I guess, I guess it makes sense to hate Oltgar for like letting that guy do what he did. Um, but I can't quite equate the level of hate and maybe that's just me. Like it's D and D, like that's a fun back, like it's a fun backstory to have, especially when you take like the Santa illusions and that one shot into yeah. effect. Like maybe that's just like a really funny character choice for Travis to be like that passionate about woodworking, and I think that's fine. And I, I guess that is the case, at least seemingly. But the one thing that just really sticks out to me is that encounter that we've talked about in the in the other shop where the other person, yeah, like two had PTSD from their time with Altgar. Um, so I, again, I'm fully comfortable writing that off as just funny. Um, but part of me is wondering if, if there's, if there's something else and maybe part of that is that old did know, and maybe he's not as 
virtuous as he may seem. Not that he's like secretly like some big bad that's going to come back into play or anything necessarily, but <laughs> he's the BBEG. <laughs> the, the long-winded answer is that I don't know if he knew, but I think he maybe did. I just I don't think he's as as Santa Claus yeah. as he comes off. But what did you yeah, think? There were some definite misses there for me where I just was like portraying him as like the taken advantage of shop owner I don't know. Like you mentioned, I guess it's possible Chetney like really over the years built up this rejection into hatred. Mm-hmm. But the like you said, the encounter with the other person where they had this sort of shared trauma about this guy, Altgar, who was the worst, as Chetney described it. They were like ready to very, kill each other. Yeah. Right? It was not, like a standoff yeah, almost. Yeah. And... Oldgar, not very unlikable, oddly enough. Um, I think if this doesn't get revisited, this will be like a thing in hindsight that was just really weird. Just because of because of that disconnect you're talking about. However, I think it'd be interesting if he shows up again and they realize that they were played in some way by Oldgar. That would be interesting. Um yeah. Because uh, otherwise, is Chetney's backstory done? I mean. Yeah. I mean, I know this isn't what you meant, but like no one's backstory is ever like done. But this has obviously been like his his main mystery box of the campaign. Um, and so like if if this if this was what we saw at face value, then I guess that aspect of it would be done. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if that's the case, but it definitely, you know, for reasons we just said, it definitely feels like there there was maybe something more there. But, it, you know, we don't know how the backstories necessarily worked. Like, I'm sure Travis didn't, I don't, and I'm certain Travis didn't, like, give Matt all of that. Like, Travis probably said, like, oh, I liked this character from the one shot, you know, the whole Santa. Th- for those of you that haven't seen the one shot, I won't spoil it, but the whole Santa thing. And he's probably like, uh, he hates Oltgar. Um, and he's, he left. And so, you know, I'm sure in Travis's mind, you know, he just knows that he hates old car, but maybe he didn't really know the full in canon lore reasons of everything that happened. And maybe this is just how Matt, you know, kind of subverted or just this, is how Matt fleshed it out. Um, I don't know, but it, it, I wouldn't, I would be happy if there was more, more old car to be seen. I mean, they definitely built right. him up to like become Santa. Uh, no, I don't think like he'll, gain supernatural powers or anything but i at least hope we see Oltgar again just to see like where he's at now um you know even if he's purely a paragon of justice uh, i just want to see like where he get, he's at in his santa journey if he's making yeah. toys again and if he got those goats in that sleigh <laughs> but yeah uh <clears throat> yeah i i don't know i it did feel like there maybe was was something else there. And it, and if he did know about the kids, then that's, that's enough for me. I feel like that's, that's enough to, yeah. that's interesting and probably warrants revisiting. Um, I, sorry if you, sorry if I missed this, but did you say where you were as far as if you think he knew or not? I think, you know, I think there's, I think the only way it makes sense in my mind is that there is, a, is if there's something more nefarious there. Um, and I, I don't want to like Pepe Silvia too much, but I just, 
Otherwise, I think it's a very bland arc. Not speaking about Chetney as a whole, it's it's a very um, underwhelming play out mm-hmm. for how Altgar has been described. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I think potentially yes, knew something, and for I think Matt's my guess, and this could be totally off, is that Matt's misdirecting them and in playing Oldgar, Oldgar sees an opportunity to pin all this on Drixlich and is like, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so wrong. You know? <laughs> and so, um, so yeah. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> one other, one other thing about that whole, th- um, scene, um, when they were when they were looting the office, you know, Travis has his investigation check and finds like the hidden enchanting kit with the gloves. Yeah, I was wondering what that meant, and maybe the glove, maybe that the gloves end up being like a magic item or something, and that was just some extra loot. But um, it it was so like they'd already Laura had already rolled the natural twenty and found like all the incriminating evidence that they needed. Um, so I was very curious that then this was like something hidden. Yeah. Beyond the natural 20, Travis didn't roll natural 20. So I'm not saying that it was like even more hidden necessarily. Matt just maybe wanted to like throw them something else since Travis looked for secret things and then rolled well enough. But yeah, I just, I didn't know what that was. Like, why would it be? I first thought like maybe Drixlicks, you know, he does have those prototypes. Maybe he is an inventor of sorts. Maybe this is his enchanting kit for making toys, but then why would it be hidden? Maybe it's valuable, which, I don't know if they are, but I guess even then, why hide it? Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't know if you had a pulse on that or if anybody in the comments had a pulse on that. I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I It's kind of like you said. I don't know if Matt was just like, you know, because when your players clearly want more loot, <laughs> sometimes you're like, yeah, you also find uh, a... Uh, there's a, a box. There's a dark, inky liquid, <laughs> which I still don't know what it was. You're talking about in a doll's drawer? Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know I was committed to opening that drawer. <laughs> like, I ah, found a vial of something. <laughs> that so, uh behind the curtain, that that wasn't improv in the moment. That was that was always there. Um <clears throat> and forever it shall stay. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I um I'm assuming I don't know if those are a magic item or not, but I assume maybe in some downtime they'll take a look at those gloves or have FCG look at them. So maybe we'll get an answer there. Um, yeah. Shady Creek run where the, the, the child labor was happening is a place that we've been to in previous campaign. It's like a, oh, a lot okay. of, a lot of bad news bears there, if you will. Um, so <laughs> I figured kinda, with the whole child, child yeah, labor thing. <laughs> yeah. Not a, not a great place. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Chetney has, has marked Drix Lich. And it seems like he's still got some business to attend to. I don't know if he goes, I don't know if he's planning on like killing him or, or what, but it, I did get the impression that maybe we hadn't seen the last of that yeah, to play out. So it is maybe, maybe we get Drixel's side of the story. Name is so hard to say in conjunction with other stuff, but maybe, maybe there's more to that be uncovered there. Um, even the as conjunction? soon as next episode. Did you say the conjunction? I don't know what I, I'm, Oh, I don't even I know. We're talking about, they're making Witcher references. Oh, conjunction <laughs> of the spears. Yeah, dude, the conjunction. 
So I got to get that season two review up, by the way. (laughs) It's coming still. (laughs) It is. Well, uh, anything else from this episode? Sorry, I met, we, our cameras flashed out for a second. Uh, no, I think that was that was pretty okay. much it. Um, you you mentioned it during the recap, but Fern just killed me this whole episode. Oh uh, my gosh. The baby's dead. I just died laughing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, baby's dead. <laughs> yeah, it, she's just killing it. And she, the negotiator, got them from five hundred gold to four thousand. Basically, that's right. Yeah, well done. Um, yeah, <clears throat> we already briefly talked about it, but. One more time, I just want to say that like the guests are absolutely killing it. Uh, special shout out to Christian since it's his first time on Critical Role. Um, you know, I, we've we've talked briefly about how he was is a huge fan, and uh, he's just like still been tweeting stuff every week, like you know, being like, "Pinch me, I can't believe I'm playing at this table." Oh, that's um, so sweet. I didn't know that. And something he just he's tweeted, great, by the way, I really like him. Yeah, I I thought he's you know absolutely killing it. And I like how he he dresses. His aesthetic each week is like Frida. He uses Frida's colors. That's cool. Um, but he tweeted that <clears throat> like one thing he wanted to do and he was successful in was steal something from Fern. Like he like tweeted that like that was one of my goals and then I did it and I, I couldn't remember what he stole. Do you remember what he stole? No. That's interesting though. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it on this next episode. Maybe. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe he pre-recorded. like got the episodes mixed up yeah well i'm just thinking like if the next episode is the last one maybe they have like a tearful goodbye and he pilfers the pocket yeah the kangaroo pouch (laughs) (laughs) yeah so if that that totally could be it but if any of you guys were like no it was this past episode and this is what he stole let us know in the comments because i couldn't think of what it was yeah um yeah that's all i got okay well let us know in the comments what you guys thought about the episode and some of your favorite theories. And uh, yeah, new episode up tomorrow. We'll see where we go from here. So as always, thank you guys for watching and supporting us. Yep. I have a oh. uh, thumbnail. Thumbnail. I'm thinking like kind of a bees in the hair kind of deal. But then again, you can't really do motions. So I guess it's going to just look like us cheering again. But <laughs> I guess we could also do like the, the Kraska lid. You know, like a like, like scared of, like of a, it. Oh, no. okay. I like that. Okay. Let me reprise my role yeah. as the Craskel. Unless okay, you don't cool. want to. No, yeah. All right. Let me go. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Love it. All right, guys. Well, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all.